All right, good evening, Mosaic. How's everybody doing? You guys good? Awesome. Hey, you guys wanna stand up? We're gonna jump right into song together and uh, worship the Lord for who he is tonight, okay? Good evening, Mosaic. Y'all can have a seat. 
My name is Matt Natal. I work here with uh, the Family Ministry. It's good to be with you tonight. Uh, if this is your first time, we'd love to uh, get to know you. Uh, a couple ways you can put yourselves on our radar would be either to text that number or uh, jump on the website. Uh, and the other way would be head out in the foyer and meet somebody in the info booth or just introduce yourself to somebody else in this room. We'd love to uh, help you get acquainted with what's going on around here. A good way to stay uh, uh, in, in knowledge of what's going on around here is to visit uh, the Mosaic News page on the website. And a couple things that you'll find there. One is the Women's uh, Seder Dinner uh, that's coming up next Sunday night. Uh, more info on that Monu site. Uh, the second is the Men's Retreat coming up at the end of next month. Uh, another great thing uh, that's got a ton of info on the website. So I'll just keep pointing you there to stay informed. And, and another thing uh, that we've been talking about for a really long time, and I cannot really believe that it's here because it's been so long in coming, is the, the launch of Fellowship Bentonville. Uh, I've been thinking about it for five years since Mark Schatzman said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be stepping out of Mosaic and taking that over internally to the staff. And it's been five years of kind of winding up for that. And so tomorrow night is the open house. If you want to go check out what's going on there and participate in a little bit of a time of prayer over the decades of ministry that we hope will come out of that building. We're excited about that. Uh, and they launched their first service next Sunday morning. So there's a chance even that some of y'all, this is your last Mosaic service and we love you and we're excited about the next opportunity of you guys heading there. And if you're sticking around here, we're grateful that you're here as well. Um, and some really practical things like if you're going next Sunday morning, there's a, a video on how to find where to go in traffic, but that'll be on the website again at the Mosaic news page as well. So go there. Um, I wanted to just say thank you to the Mosaic body for being so exceedingly generous. Uh, talking about the, the Fellowship Bentonville launch makes me think about just the way that you give toward that church just monetarily, but also relationally. You've said, hey, we have had friends and family step away to go to Bentonville or to go to Samaritan and worship there. And so just thanks for the, the wholehearted support of partner churches and partner ministries uh, that you show. Uh, another thing that, that I wanted to just celebrate is that all the spring break students from their mission trips this week, they're all back in various states of disrepair. They're tired, but they are sharing stories in Student Center Central, which I hope we get to share in the weeks to come tonight as they reflect on Jesus as the light of the world working out through their mission experiences. But you were so generous and fully funded all the trips, so much so that we were able to actually help other initiatives at church with the excess. It was really, I, I'm just humbled by your generosity. And I wanted to, because you're generous people, I wanted to put in front of you two other opportunities. One is uh, the disaster relief page for Ukraine is open. Uh, we have uh, relationships with people in country if you want to go through that avenue. Otherwise, support whatever organizations you think you need to support if you're participating in that. Uh, and the second was an idea that got floated to me uh, today in a conflict with my wife. I love her dearly, and we have conflicts and fights and great things as well. But one of the things we talked about was this John book. And she said, hey, I'm concerned that somebody might not have the money. And we're saying, hey, uh, read this. And so I just thought there would be an opportunity to just uh, throw the idea out to this congregation that's generous that if you wanted to chip in a few extra bucks at some point and say, hey, cover it, if somebody comes up and asks for a copy and can't afford it, that'd just be a really practical way to help somebody stay invested here as we go through this series in the weeks ahead. So um, I want to just pray and, and then uh, we will continue our service tonight together. Jesus, uh, we are grateful for the generosity that you've shown us in forgiveness, uh, in, in abundant life. And uh, we're grateful for the way that we uh, get to participate in that generosity by loving other people well. And I'm, I'm humbled to be able to uh, look out over this body and know the ways. I've been a recipient of their generosity as well. It's really, truly humbling. And so we are just, we're grateful for the way you love us. And uh, we're excited to be gathered together tonight. We pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys to stand back up with me, okay?
a time of giving and oh man what a song to sing before that oh, man he's worthy of all we can give he's worthy of so much more than a song 
Will you guys read this with me as we just prepare our hearts for giving? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give can match your great gift to us, your Son and your Spirit. Amen. Amen. Sing this with us, Mosaic. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hold my hope is only Jesus for my life is wholly bound to His oh how strange and divine I can sing all is
You guys can have a seat. My name is Madeline Needham. I've been attending fellowship for 20 years and Mosaic for the past five, and I'll be reading our scripture tonight. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. And the people said, This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, Mosaic. Hey, open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 8. We are in week two of a 21-week series studying this New Testament gospel narrative. And this series, which began last week, will actually carry us all the way through the summer into the first week of August. John is the fourth book of your New Testament. It is one of four gospel accounts that tell the story of the life and ministry of Jesus And John is the most unique gospel. John contains over 90% original material as compared with the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which cover much of the same material. Now, our approach in this series is going to be a little bit different than our normal chronological verse-by-verse methods that we use here at Fellowship, we're going to study the book of John in three sections of seven. We begin by studying the seven I am statements. Then we move to the seven miracles found in the gospel. And then we'll end up at the end of the summer studying seven encounters that Jesus had with people. Now, the book of John is designed for a very specific purpose. In fact, at the end of the gospel, John chapter 20, verse 31, we're actually given a purpose statement. This book is designed to bring us into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Verse 31 of chapter 20 reads like this. But these are written, and you could even insert right there, these seven I am statements, these seven stories of miracles, these seven encounters with these people. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. As you study the book of John, there are two words that are repeated over and over again. The first word is the word believe. You find it in the gospel 98 times. The other word is life. You find it 48 times. Put those two together. You've got the purpose of John. That by believing, you might have what? Life. Now, we've created a companion resource for the series. These John study guides, these are available in the foyer. I think they're $7. But here's the deal. If you don't have one, raise your hand right now. We've got ushers coming down the aisle. We would like to put one in your hand. We'll do it on the honor system. We've got cameras in the room. We might even have a deputy in plain clothes watching you. Just raise your hand. We'll give you one. You can pay on the way out, and um, you can use it tonight. There's room even to take notes. A few uh, notes about the study guides. These are designed to be an inductive Bible study. Are you familiar with it? we got a hand up right here. I feel like a Baptist. Thank you. I see that hand. Um, There's some old school folks there. These are designed as an inductive Bible study. So if you aren't familiar with inductive Bible study, you're going to do three practices. First, make observations answering the question, what do I see? Second, you're going to make interpretations answering the question, what does it mean? And then third, you'll make application answering the question, what should I do? If you want help on inductive Bible study, Nick Rowland has posted some videos on the John series website. Go to Mosaic News, go to the John resource. There's three great videos that will train you in how to do that. There's also room to take notes. The passage is included each week. There are some devotional passages, and I want to say something about those. The devotional passages are going to take us through the gospel of Luke 
over the course of this series. So we're gonna read about the life and ministry of Jesus from a different perspective. They aren't necessarily tied to the theme of the week. So if you're reading this week's devotional passages and trying to figure out how they relate to my sermon, you won't get there and you don't need to email me. There are also, that happened last week, there are also some small group discussion questions that you can use in your community group, whether that's a traditional small group or a men's group or a women's group or even a a study group at, at work or at home. So let's jump back into our study. We're in the first section of the three sections of our series, the I Am Statements. In an attempt to reveal his identity, Jesus gave seven statements that were designed to clarify who he truly was. Each one began with a sacred phrase, I am. Those are the words that were given by God to Moses at the burning bush to identify himself. And then seven times in the book of John, Jesus takes that sacred phrase, I am, and he attaches an illustration to it. Last week, we looked at the first one. The first statement was, I am the bread of life. In coming weeks, we will see I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. We'll do that one Easter weekend. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then I am the true vine. Tonight, we'll pick up statement two, I am the light of the world. You can find it in John chapter eight. We'll pick it up in verse 12. Or you can follow along in your study guide. The passage is right there. Let me read it to you. John chapter eight, verse 12. It says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John 8, 12, Jesus made a bold statement. I am the light of the world. He was saying, I am the source of divine revelation. I am the one that enables spiritual vision. I am the one who opens the eyes of the human heart to see divine things. I'm the one who shows the way. I am the path of truth. Without me, you walk in darkness. In me, you find true life. And in this statement, Jesus was tapping into a familiar and powerful illustration, light versus darkness. Now, our culture is used to hearing about that contrast, light versus darkness. It's a common theme. We speak of the forces of light or the forces of darkness, meaning good and evil. And this contrast is also frequently used in the scriptures. Light representing truth and righteousness and life. Darkness representing sin and evil and death. And check this out. The biblical story actually opens up with this illustration. You don't have to turn there. Let me show it to you. Genesis Chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, read like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and then there it is. Darkness was over the, was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then the first words of revelation from the Lord. And God said, let there be what? light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. The first spoken words of God in the Bible, let there be light. Into the dark, cold, formless, empty world, the Lord brought light. And he said light is good. And he separated light from the darkness. Now, as we travel in the biblical story, this contrast of light and darkness will come up over and over. Moving on, the Israelites would find themselves wandering in the darkness of the wilderness as they escaped the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt, and God would send them light. You find it in Exodus chapter 13. 
the Israelites are being led by the Lord around the desert um, as they head towards the Red Sea. They're two million strong in number and they're headed towards the promised land. And as they traveled, they found themselves in darkness at night. Look at verse 21. It says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in the pillar of cloud, but by night in a pillar of fire to guide them. He gave them light so that they could travel by day or by night. They had no flashlight app on their phone. They had no headlamps or GPS. It was the light of the Lord that guided them by the pillar of fire, the expression of God's glorious light. As they walked in the darkness of the desert, he guided them by his light towards the promised land. Again, this familiar theme, God's light coming into darkness. As we move on in the biblical story, we come to the prophets. And it's the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9. You may recognize this passage. We use it every year during what season? Advent, the Christmas season. The prophet Isaiah said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So into this dark, fallen world that is firmly in the grip of sin, a light would dawn. And Isaiah was looking into the future and he was speaking of the birth of the Savior. Look at verse 6, those familiar words. For to us, a child is born, a son is given. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah's prophecy points us to Jesus, the light shining in the darkness, and it also points us to the New Testament. Let's open the book of John and look at John chapter 1. And do these words look familiar? Look at those first three words in the beginning. Now, where did we see that? Well, it was Genesis chapter one. Do you see what John's doing in his gospel? He's gonna talk about the light again. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It's talking about Jesus. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. It puts Jesus at creation. But then look at verses four and five. In him, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So into this dark world, into a world that lives in the shadow of sin and evil, into this fallen world, the Lord sent a light. He sent his son. He sent a savior, a light that would not be overcome by darkness. Jesus, the eternal living word, the light of all mankind came to this earth and John's gospel is designed to point us to him. So consider the weight and the gravity of Jesus' statement when he made that in John chapter eight, verse 12. I am the light of the world. It is as if Jesus was saying, you know how God has a pattern of sending light into the darkness? You know how God said, let there be light in creation? You know how God guided the Israelites by light in the wilderness? Do you remember how the prophet said there would be a coming light? I am that light. And there's more. If you believe in me, if you follow me, if you give yourself holy to me, you will overcome the darkness of sin and evil and death, and you will find true life. Now, this statement has several layers to it, and the setting in which Jesus gave this statement really brings some deeper understanding let me paint the background for you. John chapters 7 and 8 have Jesus attending a religious feast. It was the Feast of the Tabernacles or the Feast of Sukkot. It was one of the prescribed religious holidays for the Hebrew people. And at this particular holding of the feast, the people were not only remembering what the Lord had done for them 
as they wandered in the wilderness, but there was also a whisper of conversation happening amongst the people. They were debating the identity of this upstart rabbi named Jesus. Let me show you just a sample from John chapter seven, two verses, verses 11 and 12. It says, now at the festival, the feast of the tabernacles, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. They were debating his identity. Some said he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. So as Jesus attended this feast of the tabernacles, this feast of Sukkot, uh, and that word tabernacle, by the way, means booth or tent, like a temporary dwelling. It was held annually to remember how the Lord provided for and guided the Israelites in the wilderness as they fled from Egypt. And they were debating who this Jesus really was. They were divided in opinion on where he was from and whether he had authority or if he was a trustworthy source of truth. Many were believing in him, but many were rejecting him and especially the religious establishment. Now, at this feast, there were three primary practices that the Hebrew people observed. The first was during the week of the feast, they would live in tents. They would live in these tabernacles to remind themselves of what their ancestors went through as they left Egypt and headed for the promised land. The, the second practice was the pouring of water. They would take water from the pool of Siloam up to the temple and pour it out to remember how the Lord had poured out his provision and his salvation upon them. It's the last practice I want you to take note of. It was the illumination of the temple. And so during this feast, they would erect these 75 feet high candelabras Imagine like a menorah and at the top of it would be this cauldron or this bowl in which they would fill with oil. Think of like the Olympic torch, maybe not that scale, but they would have these candelabras with these cauldrons filled with oil and then at night they would light them up. The temple sitting above the city and the light from these candelabras would shine all around the city and the people would look and they would remember how the Lord had guided the Israelites by the pillar of fire, by his Shekinah glory. So the backdrop for Jesus making this I am statement, he is standing in the very spot that these candelabra have been erected in the temple court where the treasury was. So behind him are these great lights. And in the very midst of people debating his identity, and he stands and says, you want to know who I am? I am the light of the Lord. I am the very glory of God. And if you want to find eternity, and if you want to find meaning in life, then follow me. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now, the rest of John chapter 8 is a, a, a recording of these debates going back and forth between Jesus and the religious leaders. We've included a portion of it in your journal. I wanna encourage you to read all of chapters seven and eight this week and see how Jesus defended his claim to be the light of the world. Just as the Lord guided the Israelites in the wilderness, Jesus is saying, I am the light to guide you to true life, to eternal life to abundant life. Jesus is the light. He is the path. He is the, the, the truth that enables people walking in darkness, lost people, sinful people, unbelieving people to see and believe. He's the light that enables us to say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I what? See. Jesus is the light that leads to light and life. So if you want to enter God's rest, if you want to find his peace, if you want to live the life that he has for you, then just follow the light. Let me stop right here. Maybe you need to hear these words, especially in your life 
this evening. You need to hear Jesus is the light because you've actually been walking in the darkness. The darkness of sin. The darkness of unbelief. Maybe doubt or fear or hurt has overshadowed your faith. Maybe you're experiencing what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. Your prayers seem to be hitting the ceiling. The word of the Lord, your Bible seems irrelevant. And your once vibrant faith has grown stale. For whatever reason, God's truth and his light have been eclipsed by some struggles you've had in life. And you need to hear these words, that Jesus is the light that leads to life. You need to hear that he can lead you to eternal life, to sustaining life, to a purposeful life. His words, his ways, his cross, his church are the lights that can illumine your path. Think with me tonight about what light does. Light gives life. Just as light is essential for life to survive and flourish on earth, our spiritual life is dependent on Jesus. He's the source of life. Light exposes. Just as light uncovers things hidden or concealed, the light of Jesus exposes the dark things in this world and even in our hearts. Light illumines. Just as light enables us to see, Jesus is the light that guides us along the way. Let's take each of these and think about them just a little more deeply. Start with light giving life. Jesus is the light that gives life. John chapter one, verse four says, in him was what? Life. And that life was the light of all mankind. In Jesus and only in Jesus will you find true life, lasting peace, contentment, satisfaction. You won't find them outside of the Savior. Only in him is life. Now, sure, you can find a temporary fix, a little joy from a vacation, a little satisfaction from accomplishment, a little happiness from an elite eight basketball team. Aren't you thankful for the game time tonight? Because do you know what was gonna happen if that game time was at five o'clock? It was gonna put you in peril spiritually where you were going to have to choose this temporary fix of happiness as opposed to coming and worshiping the Lord. He was kind to you and to me. Don't think when we won, I wasn't going, you committed to be there on Saturday night. I would have been here and been happy. You can find a moment of distraction from entertainment or even some momentary contentment from a new gadget or toy. You can numb your pain with a pill. You can find confidence in your net worth. You can place your identity in how you look in the mirror at the gym but you can never satisfy the hunger and the depth of your soul with the things of this world. Materialism, sensuality, achievement, accumulation, consumption will just leave you empty. They are more like matches than they are like lamps. They flare up quickly and die out. In Jesus, you'll find peace that lasts, joy that supersedes circumstance, contentment that satisfies your soul for the long haul. In Jesus, you have the answer for the questions that keep you up at night, like, why am I here? Which speaks to purpose. Where am I going when I die? Which speaks to peace. What is true? Which speaks to direction. In him is life and only in him is life. Are you happy with yours? If you're not, maybe you're walking in darkness. Light gives life. It also exposes darkness. John chapter three, verse 21 says that everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Sin and evil flourish in the shadows. The unholy things of this world prefer to remain hidden. My grandmother used to say, nothing good happens after midnight. And in Clarksville, Arkansas, that was true. (laughs) A plant needs sunlight to grow and bear fruit. Sin is the opposite. It thrives in the darkness. It lurks in the shadows. It hates the light. Why? Because light exposes things hidden or concealed. It brings things out into the open. People who are living in sin or embracing immorality hate the light. They avoid the light because it uncovers, because it reveals. The light of Jesus gives sin no place to hide. Those who live by this truth come into the light. His word brings right and wrong into clarity. It provides wisdom on how to live. His light shines through accountability with one another through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, through times of prayer and devotion. Let me ask you this. Have you carved out any shadowy corners in your life where you hide and indulge in sin? Is there an area of your life where you have ceased to allow God's progressive sanctifying work to thrive? Is there an area of your life where you've shut out his influence resisted his guidance and conviction. Can you think of an area of darkness in your life? An area of character that's malnourished and needs to be put in the greenhouse. Maybe it's time to open up the curtains. Maybe it's time to turn on the light and expose that area to God's word or God's people Maybe it's time to ask God for forgiveness and more importantly, ask him for power to overcome that immaturity in your life. Light also illumines. Jesus is the light that guides our way. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Light is actually what makes vision possible. It it stimulates Sight. Jesus is the light that guides our way in life. As the scripture says, it lights our path. His word, his presence enable us to see the, way, the world the way he wants us to see it. In each step, in each decision, in each relationship, in each temptation, in each opportunity, he's the light that helps us take the next right step. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, by the way, anybody remember how long they wandered? 40 years. 40 years. They had no map. They had no step-by-step guidance on where they were supposed to go. They followed the cloud by day, and they followed his light, the pillar of fire, by night. You know, I wonder if you're in a period of your life where you're lost or confused, as you look out into the future, things just seem fuzzy or uncertain. Maybe it's time to allow God's light to shine. Maybe it's time to expose your life to his word and his people and his church. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but, but because by it, I see everything else. Jesus is the light that leads to life. He's the revelation of God that overcomes the darkness of unbelief. He's the holiness of God that overcomes the darkness of sin. He's the truth of God that leads to true life. I want to close our time by looking at the second part of the verse. And don't worry, I won't give it as much attention. We're almost done. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he said this, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The first line speaks of the identity of Jesus, which is certain, 
which is immutable and won't change. But it seems like the second line has a condition in it. Whoever what? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It seems that walking in the light, holistically experiencing the the life that Jesus offers flows from being his follower. There's a biblical word for being a follower of Christ. It's the word disciple. It seems like the disciples of Christ, those who follow him daily will walk in the light. It has to do with surrendering to the lordship of Christ. It's an ongoing daily submission of our will to his. It is obedience to his word. It is abandonment of our own agenda, allegiance to his kingdom. In Luke chapter nine, verse 23, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me daily. And the result is life, eternal life, continued life, purposeful life. So I guess the question for us as we close is this. Have you wholeheartedly given your life to Christ? Have you believed upon him for salvation, repenting of your sin and trusting in his work on the cross for your redemption? And then have you given all of yourself to him to walk his path daily? Have you surrendered all that you are and all that you have to all that he's asked you to? You know, I think an invitation to lordship is something we ought to do often because I think sometimes we forget And I don't think we can commit ourselves to him enough. So I thought we might close with that. Would you bow with me in prayer? And right where you're at, if you've never asked Christ to be the light of your life that leads you to eternity in heaven, then why not right now? Turn from your sin and say you're sorry. Believe in his person and his work on the cross on your behalf and ask him to be your savior. And I know many of you have faithfully followed the Lord forever, but why not renew that commitment right now and say, Lord, I'm all in. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. I never want to walk in the darkness. I want to have the light of life. And if there's anything that you think's between you and him, confess it. Ask for his forgiveness and commit to following him daily. Spend some time with him, just you and him in prayer right now. Well, Lord, we acknowledge that you are the light of the world. And we are a people who live in a world of darkness. We desperately need you in our life. We need your word. We need your spirit. So Lord, would you hear these confessions and these commitments? And Lord, would you receive them as an offering to you? It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song together, some familiar words. And as we do, I just want you to continue that heart and space with God. Um, just take this opportunity to just be real with him. I know that life is really hard and there are lots of things that get in the way of us just being real and being honest. So you have that opportunity now. And as we sing these words, just... Rest in the fact that his light and his love cover your life. Let's sing this together. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me in.
cry tonight oh Lord thank you for being our hope thank you that you have made a way that you illuminate oh, Jesus we lean into you tonight would you shine on us our hope and salvation Jesus we love you if you guys need prayer tonight, we have prayer teams that are going to be at the banners uh, after we uh, after we end here. There's people in the in the info booth on your way out that'd love to talk with you. We got our John booklets out there, so make sure you grab one of those. But hey, as we close, can we read this together? Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Love you guys. See ya.